Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, we're going to wrap up this morning. Let's start reading at verse number 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Before we get started, Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Brother John, can you open us up, please, sir? Lord, thank you for this um, marvelous day that you've given us in your creation today. Lord, we ask that you watch over us as you listen to Brother Jimmy and his uh, preaching. Lord, we ask that um, you you keep us safe and and sound and keep us aware of um, your your son, Jesus Christ, whom we love and adore. Lord, we ask you that um, you uh, open up our ears so we can uh, uh, hear the preaching today and hear your word. We ask these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 21 times in the Bible, servant of the Lord shows up. I thought that was pretty cool. 20 times it shows up in the Old Testament. And only one time do we see it in the New Testament right here, servant of the Lord. Most of the references in the Old Testament refer to Moses. Two of them refer to Joshua, the son of Nun, and is a reference to his death. When he died at the age of 110 years old, they say in the servant of the Lord. They referred to him as servant of the Lord. We see it referred to as David. Uh, But here we see it as the only time used in the New Testament, this phrase, servant of the Lord, which it's not just the pastor that's the servant of the Lord. We all should be servants of the Lord, each and every one of us. There's plenty of stuff to do to serve the Lord. Brother Gary and I, he was talking briefly before church service, talking about, you know, church service and, you know, Besides the song leader and the preacher and maybe the Sunday school teacher, most of us are sitting <laughs> comfortably listening to preaching. And what do we do? Then we go out and serve the Lord. Now, there's plenty of stuff to do um, at the church house to serve the Lord. Um, there's a variety of things. But most of our service to the Lord, if you think about it, has to do with our week outside of being together as a church family. A lot more hours. We should be serving the Lord when we're working, serving the Lord with our family, serving the Lord. Just go ahead down the line and fill in the blank. We don't want to get mixed up in always contesting, always struggling, always opposing. And at the same time, let's not, we can't lose sight of the fact that we're in a battle that needs to be fought. We shouldn't be looking to pick fights. We should be looking to point people to Christ. We should look for things that are profitable, not things that are unprofitable. We should look for things and ways to edify others, not just uh, instead of berating things, always berating people. These are tough things to do when we are in the service of the Lord because we're in a battle, we're in a fight. 
but we need to continually check our hearts so that we are true servants of the Lord. We don't have to win the quarrel. Look for the truth. Make the point. Move on. But how do we do this? The world is so wicked. The course of this world can easily take us away. The prince and the power of this air wants to control and lead us into evil ways and wicked ways. How can we serve the Lord and not be so bitter or angry? Or How do we do that? I think the answer comes in the next part of the verse. What does it say? But be gentle unto some men. No, but be gentle under unto those that are nice to us. No, but be gentle unto all men. Gentle unto all men. Gentle or gentleness shows up nine times in the Bible. You know, three times it refers to the Lord Himself. One time we see it in reference to the fruit of the Spirit. James 3.17 tells us how we can know wisdom from above because it's gentle. And here we see what the servant of the Lord should be. I don't want to get too far off track. One of the combat arts I've studied was, is, is called jujitsu. You know what that means, that word? The gentle art. It means the art of gentleness. Japanese word. Which is interesting in the translation process. You need two or three words to say one word in, 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 in a Japanese word. Right? Um, so when you see in your King James Bible, you see the words in italics. They should be there. But when you translate from one language to another, the same you would take jujitsu and now you end up with the art of gentleness. Well, in English, you just need a few more words to say one word. There's no errors in the King James Bible. But gentleness, the art of gentleness, is an interesting art form because when people come in to learn, the first thing they do is they just spaz out. They fight so hard. They struggle and they oppose and they and instructors are constantly telling the new white belts, relax, breathe, which is one thing people will stop doing when they're all tensed up. They won't breathe as freely and as naturally as they should. No, man, relax, relax, breathe. This is supposed to be the gentle art. You see, you can be in a battle and still have gentleness. We don't have to be so tensed up, so tightened. We don't have to stop breathing. We don't have to always have to. We can be gentle in our approach. Christ was gentle. Fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. We can be gentle in our approach. That doesn't. When I say gentleness, don't hear. We're not going to tell them the truth. Whether you twist their arm behind their back. Put them in the tightest headlock you can. You can't force people to come to Christ. All you can do is show them the truth from God's word and just pray that they would get it. It's all you could do. But I'm telling you, this gentle approach, our Savior was gentle, the fruit of the Spirit is gentle. It is not unman. I'm not talking about being effeminate, guys. I'm not talking about being some sissy you know, tap dancing and skipping around like some flowery little pansy. I'm talking about just being gentle, having a gentle approach. 
Doesn't mean doesn't mean to not be manly at all. Then the Bible says, apt to teach. Certainly the pastor should be apt to teach. That's that's a that's a given. This apt to teach, it shows up twice in the Bible. Both times refers to leaders. In 1 Timothy, it refers to a bishop. And right here, servant of the Lord. How many of you are servants of the Lord? Kids, put your hands up. You're servant of the Lord? Guess what you should be? Apt to teach. Find somebody and teach them something. You know, there's little boys and girls running around the park you probably play with. You can teach them something about the Lord. I remember one time, as I'm talking, I'm thinking about this story. We were at a park. Kids were playing. My son had some gospel tracks in his pocket. He went and gave one of the boys a gospel track. And the mom made him go. Mom took it from him, put it away. Didn't want him playing with her kid. Now, he didn't know it. But my wife and I observed and watched how this thing played out and how the mom's, everything about her changed. Why? Jesus Christ, that's why. But you know what you can't do? And go crazy. Is it frustrating? It's frustrating. Do you wish it doesn't happen? You wish it doesn't happen. Take a gentle approach. Give them the truth. That's it. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. If you flip out on somebody, what do you think they're going to think? Not good things. So we want to be gentle on all men. We'll be apt to teach. Teaching doesn't have to be in a formal way. Just because you're not preaching behind a pulpit, that doesn't mean you can't teach somebody. Ladies have so many opportunities to teach throughout the day with the children, with the grandchildren, with the friends, with the neighbors. Just fill in the blank on what's applicable to you. You know how much time guys have. If you're working with a fella all day, you got a lot of stuff to talk about. You got lunch break, you're off the clock, guess what you can talk about? Whatever you want, it's your break. We don't want to be manipulating people. We don't want to be yelling at people. We don't want to be misguiding people. We don't want to be neglecting people. We don't want to be mistreating people. The Bible says if you're a servant of the Lord, apt to teach. All of us, no matter what we do, can have teachable moments. You're a retired vet. You've got a nucleus of people and a network of people that you know and can relate to that nobody else can. If you're in another industry, You've got a nucleus of people that you know and can relate to and will trust you. We all have that. We all do. And you can reach those people a lot better. They'll give you a hearing. God wants you to be apt to teach. You're a mom. You're a dad. You're a grandmom. You're a granddad. You help with kids. You're a servant. You should be apt to teach. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor, if you're a church member, Christians alike, everybody should be apt to teach. I'm not a good teacher, but you teach things. Gentlemen, the attitude we give teaches our kids 
the attitude that we're going to give. Ladies, the spirit that you have in the home and the attitude that you portray in the home teaches the kids, well, that's the attitude I'm going to have. You know why? Because they're mimickers. They copy. They do what they see. Let me show you how I can teach something without words. Look, I'm going to shut up. I don't know. You're allowed to say shut up. Don't tell your sister to shut up. Don't tell your brother to shut up. And then the preacher saying shut up. That's not good. I'm a bad boy. Kids, watch. I'm not going to say nothing. Watch how I'm going to teach. All right, what am I communicating to you? Call it out. You can call out. That I was what? All right, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to teach you something else right now. Watch. I'm hurting. Very good. You see, so you can communicate and you can teach things without using words. Husband and wives do this real well. It's the look. And whatever the look is, you know you've done, you don't know what you've done that's wrong, but you know you've done something wrong. You're wrong. You don't know what it is. You never will. It's common to all relationships. Guys do the same thing. We do the same thing. We communicate, we teach, we learn, and we know, all right, it's time to zip it. Right? We do. Everybody is a teacher. Everybody's a teacher, regardless of what you, if you think you're not, you are. Then the Bible says, we should skip over this word, but if I do that, I know Chris will point it out that I missed something in the Bible, amen. Patient, patient. We can't skip over patience. That's calm under suffering. And at the same time, your heart is not revengeful. You're calmly diligent. You're able to wait with a sense of calmness and you're not discontented. We can wait, but our heart is, I am really not content with this. <laughs> that is not, patience is not just waiting. You can wait, but your heart is plotting revenge. Oh yeah, you just wait because you're making me wait. We get the outward on all this stuff, don't we? Well, because we're Christians, you know, we want all our neighbors and friends to know that we're, we love the Lord. Hallelujah. But we are not close to the Lord when our heart when we're trying to portray that we're patient because we're waiting, but our heart's revengeful. We're very, very discontented. I need to work on that. Anybody else? All right, 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is the verse that, you know, I'm a King James Bible believer. I believe every word of God. This is, this is a verse... This is a verse for them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 14. 
Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Yeah, I can do that. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. That's a tough one. Be patient toward all men. You mean the boss that's been wearing me out on stupid stuff? I'm just reading what it says. Be patient toward all men. That would include the boss that's wearing you out. You mean my wife who hasn't fixed me a hot meal in in three days? Because I, yeah. You mean my husband who, he just won't pay attention to me, won't give me any time, has time for everything else except me? Be patient toward all men. It's a hard verse to live. Hard verse to live. Remember Christ, the one who died for our sins, the one who was patient, not willing that any should perish? That, 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 type of, that type of patience. It's hard. It's hard. That's, that's what it says. A little word, got a lot of punch. Let's go to Revelation 1. Anybody here been exiled to a little small island in the middle of the Aegean Sea? Okay, well. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Wow. His fellow companions weren't exiled with him, but they certainly suffered persecution. They certainly had trials. They certainly had sufferings. And so they shared that common bond but it didn't matter because they were united for the Savior. I don't think any of us are going to be stoned. I don't think any of us are going to be in prison for our faith. I don't think any of us are going to be exiled to where we're in the middle of a, in the Aegean Sea. But it says, had the patience of Jesus Christ. Is Christ worth it? No matter what would come, here's what they endured. All of that for the Lord. His grace was sufficient. Jesus was worth it. So the question I have for me, the question I have for you, is Christ worth it for us? It's easy to get frustrated. The world's going to hell in the handbasket. McChurches are popping up all over the place. I, I don't watch the news because it frustrates me. But you turn on, it don't matter if you turn on MSN or CBN or A. It's, don't you get frustrated? You get frustrated. As we're sitting in our comfortable home with air conditioning and a sofa and we have the convenience of getting all this information so quickly, we're not stranded on an island and we get how we get. I know, because I get the same way. 
patient in Jesus Christ. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through sufferings. We're going to go through, man, my, my kids got to deal with this now. I get there. I think about those things. Let's be patient in Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says in meekness, Meekness, it's not being weak. It's not being timid. Weakness is not being a pushover. That's not meekness. You able to restrain yourself? Are you a strong, powerful person, but you can keep a lid on it? And in doing so, you allow others to grow. And that person's got some meekness. That person's got some meekness. Keeping a lid on it. No, you know, you know, you get in the Bible so much, you know, so much information that as you're talking to someone, you can kind of just overwhelm them. Meekness is kind of like you can kind of restrain yourself a little bit, give them a little bit, and then kind of they're going to say something that's a little bit off, but you kind of keep a lid on it. Not because you want them to not have the truth, but you're thinking. Let me see if they can kind of work through this. Let me see if, I, if they can grow past it. But you can restrain yourself and then you kind of know, let me give them a little bit more. It's a way of keeping your strength controlled, keeping yourself controlled. You give just enough so that that person, because you want to try to get them to, to grow, not just stay stagnant. I do this with kids a lot. Sometimes you hold back stuff because you want to see where they're at. Strength under control. Allowing people to grow requires meekness. Wives, women struggle with being meek because they, you know, they marry somebody and they find out He's not as charming as he put it in the ad. <laughs> He's not, right? You find out all of their quirks, all their problems, all of their... Sometimes it's easier to do it. But meekness says, you know what? Let's see if I can keep a lid on it. I know what to do. I'll keep it in control. Let's see if I can create a situation or an environment or an attitude that will allow that man to grow. Allow that child to grow. Allow that person to grow. Instructing those that oppose themselves. Oh boy. There's just people that embrace error. And there were people that will just set themselves against the truth. You see why the Lord said you need to be apt to teach. You need to be gentle. You need to have meekness. There's going to be people in the church, in the body of Christ. There's going to be people outside in the world that are going to need to be instructed because they've embraced error. Working with Jehovah's Witness. Uh, did some work for us. and He made it a point to let us know. You know Jehovah's Witness. And uh, all, all these different things. And nice man, good craftsman, doesn't believe Jesus Christ is God for the life of him. Tell him, that, tell him what we believe. Nice conversation with him. It didn't get uh, 
heated, he knew there was a difference. There, he knew that there was, that's where you're at. We're not on the same page. <laughs> that's where you're at. This is where we're at. There's something about being able to keep a relationship where you can go back to that person and continually to be able to have a hearing. That's what we want as Christians. We want the hearing. When the relationship gets severed, that's it. I don't let a false person come in my home. Jehovah Witness comes. I'm going to be outside on the porch dealing with him from the Bible. He's not bringing his stuff and going to deal with us from whatever Bible he decides to use that day. It's my house. I'm responsible to make sure there's truth there. It's a hard balance, isn't it? You want people to have the truth. You don't want them to... You know you're in a fight. How do you do it? I think if we can wrap our minds around all these things, we got a better shot. Most people... Maybe most people isn't the right phrase. A lot of people... They just haven't been taught certain things and they fall into the category of, oh, I just didn't know that. They were ignorant of truth. Which in my opinion, it's my opinion, so you take it for what it's worth, is the problem with all the churches that are popping up is that they only teach a little bit. I got some postcards in the mail and I read the postcard from the church that sends the postcard out. And every time I read it, I'm always like, see, there's nothing wrong with this. It's not what they say. Great music. Okay, yeah, but what does that mean? <laughs> See what I mean? It's not what they say on the card. I guess I know, I'm assuming that when I go, it's going to be, I know what it's going to be. Great fellowship. What do you mean by that? It's not what they say. They're not going to be taught the truth. Not. Calmly show them the truth. If they get angry, if they get mad, we should not. If they oppose the truth, you know what we do? We calmly and respectfully present the truth for what it is. Well, I don't believe Jesus Christ is God. Look, I'm showing you what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Your beef is with God, not with me. I'm giving you what God's Word says. Don't get bowed up, bent out of shape. Don't become impatient and frustrated with them, although it's frustrating. You never get there, do you, brother? <laughs> we do. You just want to grab somebody by the face and just, but boom! Would you snap out of it, you knucklehead? Am I the only guy that gets in that position? Yeah. We shouldn't do it. It's fun if God, peradventure, peradventure just means perhaps, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. If God, if God, you can't force people to repent. God has to give them the view, not our argumentative skills. If they see the truth, they genuinely will end up regretting that they embraced it. 
and they will be willing to admit the truth. You brought up in a false religion, you end up regretting that you embraced it, and you end up admitting the truth. I think that's true for all lost people, no matter what religion they were in. People have religions, they have belief systems. God, it's if God, not if us, not if we. If you're a guy, you like to argue, you're good at arguing. You can out-argue everybody. But if God, if God, if God, if God. After all our teaching, all our patience, all our meekness, all our instruction, who gives the success, boys and girls? God Almighty. He's the great God. He's the Almighty God. He gives us success. And he's the one where our dependence should ultimately lie. We can't rely on our own argumentative power. We have to rely on God to do it. We have to rely on God. All right, let's finish up. We have, and they, I'm sorry, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Snare is a trap. Get you entangled by the devil. You're caught. You want to talk about a powerful grip. The snare of the devil is powerful. You get somebody's back in jujitsu, you get somebody's back. You get both hooks in. That's your feet. You get that grip right about here. If your elbow lines up with their chin. Oh, good. Like, oh, yeah, that's a good place to be. That's powerful. That's powerful. They're done. I remember years back, we flew out to California. There was this big tournament. One of the guys, he, he, he jumped on his cycle and he rode from Philadelphia across the whole country, showed up. He won his whole division, plus the open weight division. That was a machine. But I remember matches were 12 minutes long at about the eight and a half minute mark. I'm feeling good until this guy did something and he took my back. I'm like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, not good. Trapped, caught. He ended up winning the match, choked me out, and he won. But I thought to myself, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Oops, I'm not doing good. All of a sudden, you're caught, you're entangled, you're trapped. That's the world system. You think you're doing good, boys and girls. You think that little... That little thing that doesn't seem so bad is going to be okay. You think that the warnings from mom and dad, ah, they're this, they're that. And the next thing you know, boom, you're caught. And you can't get back because you're just ensnared by the devil. The enemy is the devil. The enemy is this world system. You've got to pay attention. You have to be alert 
because he wants you. He does. And if you can get a real, 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 real understanding of that, that'll help you not get ensnared by him. Do you know how many people are ensnared? They got the bottle and that bottle owns them. Owns them. The drugs own them. The fornication owns them. All that music owns them. They're ensnared. They're caught. And that's what the devil wants. Snare of the devil shows up twice. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 3. This talks about a bishop. Let's start at verse 5. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. This is interesting how it ends. Lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. A bishop, the concern is pride and falling into the snare of the devil. I don't know about you, but have you heard stories of deacons or elders or I don't know who has bishops. I don't even know, really know what they But anyway, the point I'm trying to make today is they get off track. And the leader of the church ends up being ensnared by the devil. And God's saying here, he's laying out in First Timothy, here's what we don't want to have happen. A novice guy, he's lifted up with pride, falls in the condemnation of the devil, he doesn't have a good report then without, guess what happens? The risk is he's going to fall into the snare, fall into reproach, and the snare of the devil. It's a very, very powerful thing. He's trying to protect the church from that. So it's to make sure leadership doesn't get caught in that trap. Nobody walks into the trap willingly. Just boom, you're trapped. So the snare is. So you get caught. But the influence of error, when we get back to 2 Timothy, can 2 Timothy here, instructing them that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance according to the truth, the influence of error brings about the need for recovery. A drunk man, what does he need to do? He needs to recover. Someone that's addicted to drugs, they need a time to recover. A husband and a wife have a fight, what do they need? They need a time to recover. A person who's been physically abused, they need some recovery time. A, a person who's been beat up, they need to get to the hospital, they need to recover. You hurt your knee, you blow your knee out, you need some rest for that knee to recover. People need recovery. They need Jesus Christ. He's the one that will recover them. So we need to be a church, a local body of believers that offers that space for recovery. You know, people are hurting when they come to acknowledging the truth. They're not going to acknowledge everything. They're not going to know everything. I don't know everything. But we need to be a place where there's some covering. 
protecting so they can recover. They can recover. A lot of people need recovery. In the Bible, we'll finish out two more things here. Who are taken captive by Him. The Christian has liberty. The Christian has freedom. The Christian has joy. And the Christian has peace. We are free in Christ. We're set free. Unsaved person, you know what they're in bondage to? They're in bondage to sin. They're the ones who are taken captive by Him, the devil. We're not. We're free. We're a free people in Christ. Christians, you have all these rules. You can't do anything. That's just a trap. We can do whatever we want to do. We just choose to want to live for the Lord. You ever meet a Christian that had them? Yeah, like somebody's twisting my arm. I have to give you this track like it's a burden. Yeah, I really, I really have to talk to you about the Lord like I'm in bondage. No, you're in bondage. <laughs> They're the ones that are miserable. They're the ones that are enslaved. They're the ones that are taken captive. And the subtlety of Satan is how sin gets introduced. And people need to be recovered out of the snares. Teenagers think, or young people think, or just ungodly people think that Christians can't do anything. But the thing is, we can do anything. It's not like any of us can't go out and go and do wrong things. I don't want to. My desire is for the Lord. Prayerfully, your desire is for the Lord. When God says something in His Word, the impatient person just says, ah, all the Bible and all these rules. They're the ones that are enslaved and held captive by impatience. The Christian who is free in Christ and is in Christ reads that and says, oh, I want to be better at that. I want to yield to the Lord. I want to get better at instructing others, being patient, being meek. We're not enslaved. Lastly, let's get 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'll finish Ezekiel 18. And then we are done. People that run by the course of this world, this world system, they're so influenced by Satan that they always line up with doing his bidding and following Satan's will. If you want to know not, if you want to know what not to do, a good roll of the dice is just look at what everybody else is doing and just don't do that. <laughs> Whatever the world is doing, if you don't know right from wrong, just look at what the world's doing. If the world's doing it, then just go the other way <laughs> and then you'll pretty much be okay. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what God's will is? That nobody would perish. Keep that in mind when we look, when we look to witness to a lost person. 
God's will is for that person is that you don't perish. I don't want you to perish. I have to tell you about hell, but I don't want you to go to hell. I have to tell you about God's wrath. I don't want God's wrath coming down on you. And then lastly, Ezekiel 18. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord, and not that he should return from his ways and live? He doesn't. He doesn't play, he doesn't have any, he doesn't find any pleasure in the wicked dying. He wants wicked, sinful men to come to him. He can save them from their sin. If you're not saved, God's will for you is that you don't perish, but have eternal life. Would you bow your head in prayer, please? Thank you, Lord. Able to wrap up second chapter, second Timothy. We thank you for that. We look forward to what you have in store for us in chapter number three. We do ask your blessing upon us as we go about our week. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.